it is my great privilege to be back again in this wonderful house of God. And uh, thank you for those kind words, Bruce. And uh, it feels like the first time we met, God just knitted our hearts together. And uh, I'm so thrilled to be able to be back. And uh, Pastor Dan Hammer, a wonderful friend of mine, and uh, we, we've been such uh, uh, friends through the years now, and uh, we almost grow like each other. I don't know who looks better, but, uh, you know, as you're more together, you, you, you become one in spirit and in action. And I know he's outperforming me physically. Every morning he walks for several miles, and... Uh, my wife, she says, now you've got an example before you. So uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going a few blocks. So uh, I'm working my way up. <laughs> and that, so praise the Lord. What a joy it is. I was just uh, to be here. Um, there's so much uh, attention that's been put on Nova Scotia uh, for the move of God uh, across America and also United States and other parts of the world, because God is, is, is looking on your province, and you are here by divine purpose of God. What a joy it is. Uh, my wife, she said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm feeling great. And she said, well, you're not as young as you used to be. Uh, so I keep telling her, honey, I'm not an old man. I'm only 78. But uh, I've got uh, quite a few years ahead of me still. My grandkids were sitting the other day on the couch and said, Grandpa, what are your plans for the future? I said, well, I've got a five-year plan and a 20-year plan. Which one do you want? And she, they said, oh, you mean you'll be 98? <laughs> I said, what a way to go. You know, serving and glorifying the Lord uh, with our life. Because the moment we become born again, we become citizens of heaven. And uh, all of my siblings, except one, have gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, I know that they're, they're urging us on to fulfill what God's purpose is. I'm just going to talk to you out of my heart. Is that okay? Um, I was, uh, my wife said that I was kind of in the cradle born to be in ministry. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit directs uh, all three of us boys in our family. Neither one of, we, we wanted to, to serve God in a different capacity in the business field. And we all had our plans as teenagers growing up in Africa. But it's amazing how God nudges you. Sometimes he'll pull you, sometimes he'll nudge you. And everything that happened in our life was the nudging of the Lord. And the call of God become, became even greater. And uh, until it overwhelmed us, until we surrendered. i never forget on the coast of Africa, sitting in the car with my father. I was 17 years old, and I was getting ready to come to go to America. And um, I was telling my dad about the call. And... Uh, he just said, well, son, I'm with you. We're backing you. We're praying for you and so forth. And I was a little disappointed because I thought he was going to reach out and just grab me and hug me and be so excited. And uh, years later, I, I confronted my dad. I said, 
I said, when I told you about I feel a call to the ministry and I'm preparing to go to seminary in America and prepare and do prepare myself. And I said, Dad, how come you didn't get so excited? Uh, you were just very calm and serene. He said, inside I was jumping up, up and down. He said, but I didn't want to be over exuberant because if there was a change in plans and you would always remember my excitement uh, of that announcement and you would let that distract you. And I said, oh, now I understand. He said, but I, all inside I was just churning. And because he said, I want it to be your decision, your calling, but I back you all the way. And it's amazing uh, how God directed us in that. Been in ministry for around 56 years. And uh, it's been a wonderful walk with the Lord. Every day is a new day. Christians must be positive because we have an eternal hope. It's not like those who don't have a hope, but we have an eternal hope. And the joy of Christ dwells within us. For he said, I came to give you life and more abundantly. That abundant realm is where we are to step into. Of God's abundance. Instead of leaning down here as it were walking, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We must walk in the supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit. And in ministry... It is so important that we, in this world, but not of this world, we've got to think heavenly in this natural world, the plans that God has for people and plans for God has for lives. You saw the unction of it last night of the Holy Spirit through Pastor Dan into Ruby as, as he spoke it into. What he was doing is moving it from the natural world into the supernatural dimension. Your words have power to transform lives into the supernatural and to walk in that supernatural. So often, as ministers and, and workers for the kingdom of God, uh, don't be alarmed at times you feel fatigue that hits you. It is not your physical, but it's a spiritual thing happens. From time to time, my wife and I, we will pray and seek the Lord, and when we... There's, there's such a thing that I've learned years ago that in this world there are spirits that want to attach to the anointing. And I call it a Pythonian spirit. And as leaders and, and the followers of Jesus Christ, that Pythonian spirit, it, it is drawn by the, to the anointing. Remember Paul and Silas when they were ministering and there was this young lady who had a spirit of divination, which in the Greek, as you study in the Greek, it literally means a Pythonian spirit. That spirit will attach to the anointing if it can. And this byproduct is fatigue, discouragement, reminding you of your shortcomings, and trying to disqualify you to walk in victory. It is amazing how that spirit is drawn to the anointing. Paul and Silas were, were ministering under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden she shows up with her owner 
and uh, all of a sudden she cries out, these are the servants of the Most High God. What she spoke was the truth, but it was deceptive. So in ministry at times, and, and Paul and Silas, here they were, speaking the word, and then after several days of them putting up with this spirit that followed them around, they took matters and began to rebuke it and cast it out. And when they cast it out, the owner of that young lady, he was using as a business and, and as a, a leverage of popularity, all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. He lost his income. And you know the story, they were cast into prison, beaten. But in the midst of that, what was happening was that spirit wanted to attach itself to the anointing of God's servants. And there are times that we have to break that spirit. It's not in us, but it has attached. How often when you're sharing the word and you get through and all of a sudden you hear these words, boy, you didn't do very well. You should have said this. You should have done that. That's not the Holy Spirit. That is that spirit that wants to bring discouragement. It'll also bring fatigue. Like you're pulling a sack of potatoes with you, 20-pound, 40-pound sack of potatoes, and you just feel that, Heaviness, that's that spirit, I call a Pythonian spirit, that attaches to you. It's not in you, but it attaches to you, and it will try to bring discouragement. Your children will never come to Jesus Christ. You'll never get a promotion. You'll never succeed. You'll always have just a few people to minister to. All of these words do not come from God. They come from that spirit. And in ministry, we fail to realize that that exists. And we need to break that off of us. What the enemy meant for evil for Paul and Silas become one of the greatest outpourings of evangelism. They were thrown into prison, but in prison and in their despair, they began to praise the Lord. How many times when you're so discouraged and the Holy Spirit will prompt you to start rejoicing and and give God praise? You hear what I'm talking about? Praise unlocks the realm of glory to inhabit your present dwelling. For God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise is a weapon that we have in ministry that will take us from the negative into the positive and take us into another dimension. Notice that Paul and Silas were beaten and their backs were severely beaten and they were in stocks and chains. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that confinement, they began to praise the Lord. There's one thing that we have dominion over, and that is our mouth. As for me and my house, we will praise the Lord. We make that positive decision. Satan cannot stop you from praising the Lord if you determine to praise him. In the dungeon, in the prison... No matter where you are, in your darkest hour, 
As for me, I will praise the Lord. What the enemy meant for evil on Paul and Silas, God turned it into a plus because that was the first prison ministry. The whole institution <laughs> was turned upside down. The jailer, his household, and all those within that prison system. It was the first prison ministry. My, what, what a beginning. So what is meant for evil, God will turn it to good. I have found out through the years in traveling into different countries, in, in, in the, uh, not only in so many Indian and all those other countries, there are spirits that won't attach to you until you feel fatigued. That's when you begin to pray and then break it off of you and watch the joy begin to flow back into you. You hear what I'm saying? So in, in this move of God, God is sending you forth in this revival to be a bondage breaker. That's why it says pray one for another. It's not just praying a prayer. It's breaking off those spirits that have attached to them of discouragement. It is so important. And so from time to time, my wife and I will gather together and we'll just start praying over each other and just start breaking that spirit that follows the anointing. So this is what's so important in ministry and one of the things I find out as well. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, if you turn with me, in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of arms for those who entered the temple. And who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, they asked of, of, for arms. And fixing his eyes on him was John and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention and expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. In our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, there are beggars that we will come to daily. And these beggars are not literally physically handicapped, but they're spiritually handicapped. And they're looking for arms that will satisfy the desires of the world, from the world. Notice what this happened. As we're walking in the days of the Holy Spirit, we're walking with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we will come into a, a predetermined by a God, the Holy Spirit, to bring a deliverance or, or a liberty those that are around us. Notice the parents were, were very wise. They brought this son who was born a cripple. He came into the world a cripple. And they determined that his best service would be begging for an income. So they were very smart in the, what they did. They took him to the, the, the gate beautiful as, it, as the entrance to the temple. Solomon's porch area. Why? Because they, 
put him at a place where people were going up to pray and compassion was already at the forefront of them. They were very intelligent. They didn't just put him on any street. They put him right there. Notice as he was laid there on that mat, waiting there, in his condition of paralysis from birth, here came two men that had been with Jesus and had been baptized in the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They were going to the place of prayer. On your place of destination, God will bring before you an opportunity to manifest the power of the impartation of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't care whether it's on a bus, it's in a taxi, it's in the supermarket, wherever it is. God will allow you to come into a situation where the Holy Spirit will take control. I know their minds were on prayer. But notice as they walked into that gate, here was this young man begging arms. <laughs> he was focusing on their, their compassion. But they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. And something amazing happened. It says Peter and John fastened their eyes on him. Have you ever noticed beggars on the street and people, I see it overseas so much, how people will walk and they won't give them eye contact. They know they're there, but they walk on by. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they are drawn to the need. It's amazing. Peter and John looked at him and they got his attention and they said, look on us. There was an eye contact. And notice what they said. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. What they had was greater than the natural resources of this world. God has imparted the Holy Spirit into you that's far more valuable than the resources of this world. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And I love what happened here. And, and it was so exciting because all of a sudden, Peter and John Peter said, look on me. Pay attention. Standing before you is something greater than you've ever imagined. Because you're more than who you think you are. You are a living vessel with the God of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And as you walk in this world, you walk just not as who you are, but you walk as God's anointed. Everywhere you walk, no matter where you go, that anointing is in you. And He's ready to function. And he's wanting you to let go what God has put inside of you. Notice, the, notice what, what Peter did. He said, look on us. And he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I thought how unique it is that Peter 
said something more than what many of us will do. It said that Peter reached out his right arm, grabbed the young man, and pulled him up. I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us into another dimension of praying for the sick. We pray, and God bless you. Go on your way. You've done your work. But notice faith went into action. They were so consumed. Peter said, it's not enough for you to sit there. Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He didn't just let the young man sit there. He reached out. He said he took his right arm and reached out, which is the, it's the arm of authority and power, and made connection with the afflicted and pulled him to his feet. And all of a sudden, something happened in him. Strength came into those limbs that were paralyzed. There's something about us going beyond just the spoken word. You hear what I'm saying? Step into the supernatural dimension now. <laughs> you step across that barrier of faith to where there's no turning back. <laughs> it's got to happen or else. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about. When Peter, when Jesus said to Peter in the boat, he said, step out. He said, Lord, if it's you, you command me to come unto you. Peter made that suicide a commitment. He stepped out of the boat into the unknown. And he walked on water until he listened to the cry of the other disciples. But Peter all of his life said, I walked on water and you didn't. What God is bringing us into the realm of stepping beyond our words into action. Do you hear what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. <laughs> God is stretching your faith to say, get out of that bed of affliction. I'll help you out in the name of Jesus. And you will walk in fullness and newness of life and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Here was a young man that didn't know what it was like to walk. But what activated him, what activated heaven and earth was not just the words, but also the physical action of Peter. There was no turning back with Peter. <laughs> You're going to walk or, or hell will bust wide open. And as he reached his hand and he pulled him forth and it said strength went into his legs and he stood up and rejoiced and jumped and danced and walked with them into the place of prayer. Glorifying God. That's a miracle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for that dimension of the supernatural? Oh, hallelujah. You're going to see eyes opened. You're going to see limbs straightened up. You're going to see things transformed. And God's going to say, rise up, church. There's another level that you're stepping into beyond the words, into physical action. Get ready for that. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I love it. It said, and he leapt. 
I mean, can you imagine that? What would they say today? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, he's going to take a few days or, and have therapy on how to use your legs and, and how to walk because you've never walked in your life. No, the power of contact with the, the obedient servant of God and the supernatural came into being. Peter was putting himself inside of that person. As I walk, you shall walk. So church, get ready. Not just the prayer, but the physical action. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Seeing people move, coming out of wheelchairs. I saw the other day, someone sent me a clip of a lady that had been paralyzed for 12 years. All of a sudden, they were prayed over. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the minister of God reached his arm around her waist and pulled her out of the wheelchair. And he began to walk with her. And at first, her legs were kind of flimsy. But all of a sudden, by the end of the, the aisle, all of a sudden, she walked on her own. If he had not taken her out of the wheelchair, she'd still be there trying to believe. God is saying, exercise your faith. Put it into action. So get ready for these moves of God taking place. Begin to trust God in it. Not only that physical, but in your financial needs. I remember... <laughs> An occasion, I was uh, I was going to, I was going to, and my wife and I were going to to South Africa, and then we were going to Kenya, and then my wife was going to be flying home with our daughter who was in Kenya for six weeks, and then I was flying on to Moscow, and I was going into the Ukraine and then Kazakhstan, from Kazakhstan into China, and then home. And I remember my airfare was something like close to $4,000. And uh, it's amazing. Somebody came to my wife and, and said, God told us that I'm going to pay you away, Lorraine, to Africa and back. And I remember my travel agency called me. There was a deadline to get the money in. And so I talked to the treasurer. I said, how much do we have? They said, well, I've only got about 100 and something dollars. It's really low this month. I said, wow. They'd already publicized the meetings in Kenya and South Africa and so on. And already made the commitment to do these ministry times in the Soviet Union. And I remember praying and fasting. And I got so pitiful before God. I was in desperation because my dear wife, my comforter, she was saying, huh, it looks like I'm going to Africa to minister. Instead of you, I said, uh, uh, honey, you know, let's pray about this. And so she'd always just kind of rejoice seeing how God did it. And I remember I didn't, I was coming just a few days to, to have the, the funds to go. My travel agency call. And I went to the, the church on a Wednesday night and I'm sitting on the front row uh, with the pastor. And, and then there was the guest speaker. And somebody gave me a $100 bill, and I was thanking God for that $100. And as, I, as they were praying before the offering, Bruce, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you take that $100 and you give it to that pastor sitting on your right. He was a guest there. 
I said, but Lord, I saw the car he drove up in. <laughs> Lord, look at that suit he's got on, you know. This was my... <laughs> and Lord, I got to go to all these countries. And the Lord said, give it to him. About the third time, I knew better than not to do it. So I took it out of my billfold and during the prayer for the offering, and I folded it up into a little square. And I reached out and I, during the prayer time, and I said, said, brother, I said, here, the Lord told me to give you this. And he opened it up and he said, wow, wonderful. I can take my wife out for a steak. And my reaction was, God, you missed it. You told me, <laughs> and he's going to eat it up. <laughs> and now I'm broke. I, I need <laughs> and I never, I went home and and, and, you know, as, as, I don't care how long you've been in ministry. Sometimes you'll be put over the precipice on the cliff, you know, and then God will say, jump off. But God is a long way. <laughs> and, I, and I remember I got home at about, that night at about 10 o'clock, the phone rang, and a dear friend of mine up in Canada, Levi Giesbrick, a Mennonite brother, he called me and said, Steve, he said, will you come up to my company and, uh, tomorrow and, and pray over my business? He said, I, I want you to pray over our board meeting and so forth. He had a lumber company. And so I said, okay. He said, I'll take care of your gas. So I went up there, and I'm saying, God, I got your mind. Now, Lord, when I pray, you, you, know, you put it on the hearts of, of, of that company. You know how we do sometimes? And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I, I was the only one. And so I said, now, hold it. I said, God, you've got to help me with my words to be just right. So I thought, if he's going to ask me where I'm going, you know, I'll tell him, you know, because he's a, he's a Mennonite brother. And he told me, he said, I remember, he's very compassionate. So I arrived, and we prayed for the whole employee group, several hundred, and then their board meeting. But I noticed not one time he asked, where are you going? You know, what, what is there a need that you have? So he said, Steve, let's go to lunch. And I thought, well, at lunch, you know, he'll talk to me. I've known him for some time. Went to lunch, and he was on the phone the whole time. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you're just really missing this thing. You know, here I stepped into abundance of that company, and he's telling me all about the expansion and everything going on, and uh, here I am, a beggar in the midst of plenty. <laughs> and uh, so he said, Steve, I want you to, Brother Steve, will you pray over our executive board? I prayed over them. Not one of them asked me a question. You know, where are you going next? What are you doing? And so I prayed. And I walked out of the building, and he shook my hand, gave me a hug. He said, we'll have to get together next month. I said, okay. And I'm walking, I'm sitting in the car, and it's amazing how emotionally we get sometimes, even though we've walked in the anointing all these years. God, you had an opportunity to move. The ideal situation. Because that prayer that I prayed, I really prayed. <laughs> And you brought no revelation to anybody. <coughs> a 
God, you got, what's up? <laughs> and I remember I cranked up the car, the start of the motor, and as I was pulling out of the parking lot, all of a sudden, my window was down, and I heard somebody holler, Brother Steve, wait! And I looked around, and it was, it was my friend Levi. And he was running, and he had an envelope that he threw in the car. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to give this to you. And so I was very polite. I didn't open it right in front of him. <laughs> because I didn't want to feel like I was desperate. Because my, my travel agent called me. She said, you've got eight hours to get the money in. Or you're not going. And I remember I pulled out of the gateway, the gate of the company, and pulled around the side street, got out, opened the envelope, and there was over almost four thousand something dollars that I needed to the very dollar of my ticket. You talk about doing a Holy Ghost dance. I thought the Canadians up there in BC must have thought I was a loony toony, because I was dancing around my car there in the in 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 the area near Langley, just dancing around it, praising with my hands up in the air. And I thought I was crazy because I said, God, you rascal. You put me through all the stress. But then tears began to flow of joy and gladness because God pushed me to my limit to see if I could still trust him. There'll be times in your life where, the, where you, as it were, you set things up for God to move, and He doesn't move just at your desire or your attention, but He has another plan for you, and He brings it about, and He becomes the one that is glorified, not you. So watch out for those moments in your life and ministry. He stretches us to the very limit to step into the dimension of, of heaven. And I remember driving back and calling the travel agency, and she started laughing and laughing, and she says, boy, you like living on the edge, don't you? I said, no, I don't. I said, but that's where God has me. At that moment. So in your ministry and in your walk with God, you plan things in your mind and, and know you say, well, this must be God. This is the way he's going to work. But don't be surprised if God doesn't come through with your mental, mental planning. But he has another plan for you that's beyond that which brings him glory and honor. The move that is coming to Nova Scotia. It's going to be a God move, not a man move. No man will be the superstar. It'll be only him. He will receive glory. He will receive honor and praise. You're going to become more sensitive by the Holy Spirit as he directs you. I know that in my life so often God has waited to the last minute. My wife has talked to me. She said, why have you, why do you live in the last minute? I said, it's not that I plan it, but it is God's divine purpose. It's because he gets the glory. 
It is so interesting. As we travel and see the direction of God. It is not just about ministry. At times it's about living. Walking in the supernatural. What is going to be coming that the Lord spoke to me a number of days ago is going to be coming to the body of Christ, corporate prayer. It's going to become so powerful. And corporate prayer is when we come together and God chooses somebody to address his throne room. And they spend time before the Lord and they bring that need before God in the corporate congregation. And the congregation comes in unison of one saying, yes, Lord, let it be. As that individual prays to the Heavenly Father. That's coming back into the body of Christ. That we come in one accord, in one place. And that prayer that is prayed is heaven destined. But we come together in faith. Instead of all of us praying our little prayers all over the place, we come as one, like an army, marching in unison with the confronting the enemy and calling forth the enemy's destruction. You hear what I'm saying? I believe we're going to be woken up during the night with a prayer that will be brought into the house of God for deliverance and setting people free. Those prayers will be directed by the Holy Spirit. It will not be about Aunt Joe and, and, and Selma and somebody else. It'll be about the need of the house of God going before the throne of God. And there will be people walking out of that place divinely healed for the prayer that is prayed in that congregation. Because you came into agreement. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is what God began to speak to me about before coming. He said, get ready for the corporate prayer. One in spirit. One in mind. One in heart. Crying out to God. Oh, hallelujah. It goes beyond Aunt Susan or John Doe. It's about what God's will for us is coming before his throne. So we're going to be seeing that happening in Nova Scotia. You hear what I'm talking about? I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to the leadership and God will show you who is going to bring that corporate prayer. And they will fast and pray and get the heart of God. And then when it's activated in your assembly, all the assembly will come into agreement with it. Oh, hallelujah. You hear what I'm talking about? That was the revelation that God gave me before coming here. Hallelujah. No power can stand against that. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the house. He's here because there's one cry going forth. Oh, God, move in Nova Scotia. God, bring revival to the city. God, bring revival to Nova Scotia. Begin to be sensitive to what the Spirit is wanting to pray. 
as men as, as leaders and, and walkers, walking servants of the Lord, we must be aware that when people are praying, God will also direct our lives in conjunction with those prayers. And you may not even know it. I'll give an example. I was in, flew in from Israel, and the two brothers were with me. We'd been in Israel during the Gulf War, and we were the first uh, people to get out of Israel, flying out from Tel Aviv to Athens and then to Copenhagen. And we arrived, and we had a day extra just to between our flights back to Seattle. And so we decided to go on a on a uh, a sightseeing tour. And so Blake Randleman and Dave Marshall were with it, were together. And so Blake Randleman's a travel agent, friend of mine, and he 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 know he's traveled all over the world. And he'd been to Copenhagen many times in Denmark. And here we were. Uh, we came to this fountain in the center of the city. And then we just veered off sightseeing. And all of a sudden, he, I, said to, I said to Blake, I said, Blake, we need to get back to that, that uh, fountain, the city center, because I want to go to some shops and get something for my wife. And he said, oh, yeah, I know where it is. So we started a direction he was leading us. He said, just follow me. I'm your great leader. So we're going down this street and that street and so forth. And finally, after a number of uh, blocks and everything, I said, Blake, I said, we're lost. He said, you know, I think we are. He said, but I, got, I know the direction. It's over here. And something inside of me stirred. I said, Blake, uh-uh. We're not going any further this way. It's like the Spirit of God interlocked with my mind and I said it's over here to the right because I grew up in Africa and we have good directions I mean you know what I'm talking about you see that baobab tree over there you turn left of that baobab tree and then you go down to those rocks over here and then you take another left and you cross that river you know because I grew up in that but anyway, the sense of direction. I have friends that call me and said, I said, how do I get to your house? Oh, just go to the palm trees, Brother Steve. And then you turn right to the palm tree. I said, but in Florida, you got all these palm trees. He said, yeah, but you're from Africa, you know. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I said, Blake, it's over this way. So we went two blocks right, three blocks north. And we wounded right up at the fountain. He looked at me. He said, how did you know that? I said, I didn't. I said, but something directed me. Something was controlling my directional compass. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is so marvelous. <laughs> he, rears, he goes beyond your just ability to minister to somebody. I found out that God was just is a great mechanic. He is. Because he created everything. He taught me how to fix my motorhome, the heating system, that I didn't even know how to do it. 
And I cried, oh, God, help me fix it. The heat wouldn't turn off. And I turned every switch off in that motorhome. And my wife was burning up, sitting in her seat. And she said, honey, we can't go any further like this. I looked at everything. And that night when I lay down on the bed and, and slept, I said, oh, God, here's another $400 going out to fix that fix that heater system. And the Lord said, Steve, look under the steering column. There's a switch. And I wanted to get out of bed, Pastor. And I thought, no, I better wait. I'll wake my wife up. Well, I got out in the morning early, and lo and behold, I looked, and there was a switch under the steering column, heat off and on for the cab. And I flipped it off. And that morning, my wife got up. I said, honey, God's the mechanic. I didn't know how to do it, but he fixed it. I want you to know God's the everything in your life that you need. He is that. And I remember when we in Copenhagen, as we walk up to the fountain, and I'm standing there by the fountain, and Blake is on one side, Dave Marshall on the other, and there are thousands of people around. All of a sudden, Dave Marshall said, Brother Steve, he said, somebody's calling you. I said, sure. Like they know me. He said, I'm serious. Somebody's calling your name. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and there was a man running towards me. Brother Steve List. I recognized him. He was a, a teacher at Christ for the Nations in Jamaica. And he was running. I was there several years speaking, and he came running up. He said, you're a godsend. I said, how was that? He, I said, what are you doing in Copenhagen? He said, I'm, I moved back to England. And he said, I'm leading a YWAM team here for ministry. We've been here for 20 days. And he said, nothing has been going on. He said, it's like that brick wall. And we took our luggage, discouraged, and we stood outside the hotel across the square. And we were getting ready to leave to the airport. And he said, all of a sudden, we prayed a prayer. God, if you want us to stay, you send one of your servants by. And we'll know that we're to stay and that we're going to break through. And he said, when I prayed that prayer, I looked up and there you were standing by the fountain. He said, if you were 30 minutes, 30 seconds or so later, he said, we would have been gone to the airport. The three of us, we put out all the money we had. We bought them food. They were living off of pork and beans and bread and, uh, and peanut butter. And we did everything we could to we were penniless when we left. And they were so built up in the power of God and the faith. They said, we know now that God's going to give us a breakthrough. Your walk will be in your own plans and your own will. But God has a master plan in all that you do to bring about his glory. Oh, hallelujah. You think you came here this morning just to hear something, but God has a divine plan for you that when you leave, you'll be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into the supernatural being. Oh, hallelujah. Get ready because God has put his eyes upon you and is a destiny for you to bring glory to his name. Oh, praise the Lord. Being led by the Holy Spirit. 
your circumstances that come every day in your life are ordained of God. God understands every pain, everything you have, but He's there to lead you. It is so important that we understand the leading of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit said to me, give that pastor that $100, my reasoning was, hey, that guy's got it. <laughs> nice big Cadillac, nice big ministry. He doesn't need it. But God was checking me out to see in my hand was the key to God's provision. It may not be money. It may be an action that God says to move in that dimension. Being raised in Africa, we, we lived way out in a remote area in Zambia. We had no electricity, no water, no running water. And my dad would pray every night on this big granite rock about the size from there to that wall there. We arrived in, in Cape Town, South Africa in 1949, October, from New Zealand with no sponsorship, but just a call from God. The church that we left, we, we were part of in Lower Hutt, New Zealand. The pastor passed away in the transition time on the ship. And a new pastor came in and he sent a telegram to my parents. My dad got it and he said, they said, Bill, listen. They said, uh, Pastor Franks has passed away. We've gone over the mission budget. We don't have the money for you to support you. Therefore, we'll pay your fare back to New Zealand. We feel like this is God's will. My father sent a telegram back. He said, no. He said, we will trust the Lord. It is God's will for us to walk by faith. And I remember sitting on our luggage as us four children, mom and dad in 1949, and everybody, we knew nobody in Africa. We didn't know where to go in Africa. All it was was Africa. You know what I'm saying? It's like God said, go to Africa, Bill List, and I'm calling you. But it was a walk of the Holy Spirit. And I remember as boys, my brothers and I sitting on the luggage and, and the containers we had. And the warehouse was vacated. Everybody was gone. And it was getting dark. And my dad was praying in the Spirit, walking back and forth. Because <clears throat> did, we didn't know where we were going to go. All of a sudden, about just before they closed the, the warehouse, here comes a man running from one end to the other. And he's screaming out. He says, he said, are you missionaries? Are you missionaries? His name was Van der Merva. And he just came running. And he came. And my dad said, yes. He said, praise the Lord. I was in my house praying. And the Lord said, get up off your knees. Go down to the dock where the ships are. And you'll find a missionary family that's come to Africa. And you're to bring them into your home and to bless them. He had a flatbed truck. And I remember sitting on the back of that truck and bouncing through Cape Town, way out in the outbacks of the city. And there we stayed with them for several weeks until God directed us 3,000 miles north by faith, supernaturally. Oh, there's so many stories of walking with the Lord. 
seeing God meet our need supernaturally. Our meals were prayed in every day supernaturally. Food would appear at our hut door laying there, sitting there. It was not African food. It was uh, European food. I don't know how it got there. We know an angel did it. But we learned to walk in the dimension of trusting God. We used to say, no, no problem. God has the answer. And we would pray. There's so many miracles that happen. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. It is all in the divine plan. We finally arrived at our destination way out on the borders of the Congo and Zambia. And there God said to my dad, this is the place. But there were the nearest civilization was 120 some miles. A little country store. No roads. I remember my mother crying. She said, Bill, why here? We have no electricity. We have no running water. But my dad says, I don't understand it, but God is our source. And we lived in huts until God began to develop the place into a clinic and into a mission school, a mission station. My dad would go and lay out on this rock so big and come to find out he'd pray. I, during the night hours, he would pray. And I wondered why he would always lay on that rock. And you know what it was, Bruce? He would, it, it, during the day, the sun would heat the rock. And in the evening time, he'd lay out there and it's nice and warm. And he'd pray in the Holy Spirit. But that was his studies as he studied the David Livingston's journeys through Africa. That was the place in the river at that rock where David Livingston prayed in his tracks through Africa and said, God, one day send a missionary to this tribe of people. And many years later, it was our family being directed from New Zealand to Africa by the supernatural power of God. I want you to know God has your future already planned for you. So get ready to walk in the supernatural. I remember getting in that old Jeep my dad had, and we went to Lusaka, which was hundreds of miles from us. And uh, I said, Dad, what are we going for? He said, we need cornmeal. We need flour for the mission station. And as boys, we were excited to go into civilization because we just ran barefoot all day long, homeschooled. And I remember my brother Jim and I, we were with dad in that Jeep and we got into Lusaka and my dad pulls under these big uh, jacaranda trees. And all of a sudden he starts praying in the Holy Spirit. And boy, my dad could pray for hours. We thought, oh, here we go. Because <laughs> we had plans, you know, to go to the, the depot. And two hours went by. We were out of the Jeep climbing up in trees. And we thought, what's wrong with Dad? You know, why doesn't he drive? Well, what happened was we didn't know, but Dad didn't have any money. He drove all those miles into Lusaka. Then it was just a small little town and didn't have any money. He didn't tell us that. He didn't have the gas to get back. But he's praying. And I never forget, we said, Dad, let's go. That's okay, son. Just a few more minutes. All of a sudden, the big old World War II British Army truck comes barreling up down the dirt road, dust flying everywhere, and he pulls up beside the Jeep. And all of a sudden, 
He said, are you Bill List? And there's a Dutchman, Africana with a long beard and ruddy complexion. And my dad says, yes. He said, here. And he threw an envelope in the window of the Jeep. And he took off. And my dad opened the envelope and here was cash in there. He said, I drove 180 miles to deliver this. You talk about a happy camper getting excited. Boy, my dad, he did a dance around that Jeep. He said, God, you are faithful. I mean, we loaded it up with all the supplies and filled up with gas and petrol. And we took off and we rejoiced all the way back to the mission station. It was God miraculously supplying the need. We never knew that man. My dad never met him. He had never met my dad. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of an unbeliever and said to him, Drive! Watch what God's going to do in the midst of you. God's going to bring the wealth of the wicked into the hand of the righteous who will honor him, honor God supernaturally. So get ready. You're not a begging ministry. You're not a begging church. You're a called anointed of God destined for the kingdom's glory. Oh, hallelujah. Rise up and walk in the fullness of what God has ordained for you. Oh, hallelujah. You hear what I'm talking about? Become bold and mighty in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Start moving in that because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're a citizen of heaven and all hell and all earth will fail. But God's word will not fail you. Oh, hallelujah. Get ready for it. Hear his voice. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to open up and allow the Holy Spirit to so flow through you. <laughs> The other day, I was, I had my income tax being done, and I was cutting the front yard and the backyard, and and I was in in you know all my gruffies as it were, and I was I was and and the and the the accountant called and said, brother brother list said your your taxes are ready, you got to come and get them now because we're closing the shop. So I jumped in the car and drove down there, and I walked up the stairs to the office there was nobody in there but a secretary and here I was I was sweaty and as I walked up those steps and I walked up to her the receptionist's desk she looked at me and she said I don't know who you are but she said will you pray for me I said I'd be glad to I prayed for her she said I've been going through hell today and she said, everything's going contrary to me. And tears began to flow down her cheeks. And I laid her hands on her. And then began to pray. And the joy of the Lord came in her. And she began to rejoice. And she said, wow. She said, I'm feeling something all over my body. And she said, something is happening to my whole mental capacity and my spirit. And she began to laugh. And at the end of it, she said, now, sir, will you tell me who you are? I said, I'm just one of your servants. She said, I know when you stepped on those steps and you came up. She said, I just don't know something came out of me. I want you to know the world has a prayer coming out of them for someone, somebody to touch them, somebody to pray for them, somebody to help them in the ways of eternal life. And you're the one that have the words of life. 
Do you hear what I'm talking about? You're more than who you think you are. You're a child of the king. My wife came home not so long ago, and she said, wow. I'll never forget the look on her face. She was just radiant. She said, I've never had this happen to me. She said, but I went to what they call Macy's, a department store. So she said, I wanted to buy a blouse to take with me on the trip. And she said, I had the blouse. And she said, I, I walked up to the cashier and I reached out my hand to give her the credit card. And she said, all of a sudden, when her hand touched mine, she fell. And she began to groan. And she said, oh, my God, I haven't felt that in all these years. And she was laying on the floor, and there were other customers waiting to be checked out. And she said, her assistant, another lady, came up. She said, I'll take care of it. And she touched my wife's hand, and she went down. And they were laying on the floor, and the woman was looking at my wife. And my wife, she said, I didn't know what to do. She said, I was just paying my bill. But it was a transference of an anointing. For a need that was there. You carry in you men and women of God. The heavenly kingdom lies within you. For his kingdom has come. And his kingdom abides in you. And you're walking as his representative. Watch what God is going to reveal to you and around you. And she came home. She said, I wasn't seeking the glory. I said, honey, you can't be hid. Because wherever you walk as a child of God, there's a, there's a presence. Glory. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. The angels of darkness are standing at attention when you came into the house of the Lord. Because they know that hell is going to be shaken. And the powers of darkness are going to be trembling. As men and women of God, God is saying, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and realize you're a born-again child of God. My, you talk about security. Your name is a citizen in this country, but it's also a citizen of heaven. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You walk in another dimension of the Spirit of God, of signs and wonders and miracles manifesting wherever you go. You have an asset. Use that asset. Praying in the Spirit. That's the language that bypasses any interference that the enemy can bring against you. I remember Day Young Kim and I were in North Korea at Pyongyang University, and they had all the guards around, all the security, the surveillance, and everything. Then you couldn't make a move without them knowing what you were doing. And someone always beside you <clears throat> as a spy. And I said to Day Young, I said, Day Young, let's go for a walk. Well, we couldn't go off campus because of the security. And so we started to walk, and all of a sudden, something inside said, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. And we began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And I know it drove the intelligence people in that four-story building in the center of the campus crazy because they couldn't interpret that language. 
And I mean, we were bellowing out, praying in the Holy Ghost, and then we started singing in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I know those guys that they were shaking their hearing devices. Man, what is this going on? What are they saying? What language is this? We've never, we don't have it on record. What is this? And we just walked around with a smile on our face. I mean, just praying in the Holy Spirit for the students of that campus that God would bring a revival in there. I want you to know we have an asset where the principalities and powers cannot hear and cannot enter into that dominion. You're more than who you think you are. You carry the heavenly language in you. Release that language into praise. And it goes direct from here to there, to heaven, the portals of heaven. So pray in the Holy Spirit. Sing in the Holy Spirit. Shall we stand together? You're going to experience in the next few days divine appointments that God is setting up for you already. And you'll walk right into it. Let the anointing that's in you manifest like Peter and John. Don't shy from it, but step up to it and begin to manifest the anointing of the Holy Spirit with power and authority. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm talking about? Let it be done right by now by the Holy Spirit. God's going to use circumstances beyond your abilities, beyond who you are. I love the fact that God is in the business of stretching us. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You hear what I'm talking about? Peter reached out his hand. It was, he, he already said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter didn't just speak the word. He activated the word by grabbing him by the right arm and pulling him up on his feet. I want you to know God's given you the anointing and the ability to bring people out of the gutter into the palaces with the glory of God. You hear what I'm talking? Let's raise our hands towards heaven right now. Father, we thank you that you're calling us to step beyond our dimensions of this world into that supernatural dimension. Father, we thank you for the signs and wonders that are starting to manifest in the house of the Lord and in our homes and in our cities. Lord, I thank you. Father, bring heaven unto us. Oh, hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you. There's no sickness in heaven. There is no poverty in heaven. But there is the glory manifesting throughout the, the realms of heaven. Father, let your glory flood this place. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, begin to praise the Lord. Begin to sing in the Holy Spirit. Begin to sing in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. Ila da 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 basunda la da da basundi anda la mahanda. Ila ila da basundo la da mokoranda la da mahanda la mahanda la. 
Oh, we glorify your name, Lord. We glorify your name. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Fill your house, Lord. Fill your houses with your glory. Fill your house with your glory. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Wow, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. Glory. Give him praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you know not what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. In the coming days, people are going to look, look you up. And they want to be set free. They want to know Jesus. Be ready for strange things to happen. Because God's kingdom is not of this world. <laughs> It's supernatural. And I want to leave this with you. I was in Heratot, Colombia last year in the fall. I took a team of brothers with me. We had an invasion evangelism of Heratot, the city outside of Colombia. The mayor had invited us in the, in the city and, and the evangelism team were working together. The mayor's a Christian. And uh, we had a hundred evangelists come from Bogota. They're Colombians. And they hit the streets with stop signs. Stop in the name of Jesus. And they walk up to cars on the intersection and say, do you know Jesus? They say, no. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Pull over here. And I mean people gave their hearts to the Lord in the traffic. 
<laughs> when the traffic jammed, they took advantage of it. They went down the streets, boom, 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 because they couldn't go anywhere. And they were just sitting in the cars, and they were witnessing people to the Lord, bringing them to Christ. And I remember in the, in the evening, we'd be at an arena, and then the, they would bring the new converts and everybody, and there'd be hundreds and hundreds of people in the arena. And we'd preach the gospel and made an altar call. I remember this, the closing night, as I was speaking, I gave the altar call. Hundreds came forward to accept Christ. And all of a sudden, a man came forth in his late 20s, and he was screaming with demons in him. And as I was leading the people into the prayer of salvation, he lunged at me, and my hand went out, and I stopped him, and I said, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. He sounded like a wounded animal. And the eerie sound went across the stadium. And I held him at bay and kept leading them in the prayer of salvation. And he leaned up against my hand with all of his strength, just frozen, until I got through with the prayer of salvation. And then I called two of the brothers from Dan's church. A brother from Dan's church came over. I said, take care of this demon here. So they got a hold of him and led him to the Lord and set him free from the demon spirits. But what was so marvelous was that young man gave a testimony how that he'd been possessed for those years. And when they asked him, he said, how come you came into the arena? He said, several blocks down the street, I was at the intersection getting ready to cross over and a little... Uh, a little, uh, like a little pet, not not a mouse, but, um, huh? Yes. And what do you call it? Like a guinea pig. Came up and started nibbling at his shoe. And all of a sudden, he, he reached down, because some of the evangelists saw what was going on. He reached down to grab it, and it would run away from him. And it went down two blocks. And he kept running after it. Wound up in a team of evangelists sitting on the street corner. He went slap bang right in the middle of them. And they gathered around him. And they started witnessing to him. That animal disappeared. And they took him into the arena where he got gloriously saved and delivered from the demons of hell. It was that little thing like a, a chipmunk. That's what it was. A chipmunk that led him all the way into that place of contact for salvation and that man has a testimony now God used an animal to lead me into the kingdom of God oh hallelujah hallelujah you talk about that arena went all berserk when he started when they told about the testimony of him being set free they began to praise the Lord and dance all around in that arena because God can use whatever he chooses to get your attention to bring you to the place of your deliverance Praise the Lord. God bless you. Stephen called me and I, yeah, go ahead and sit down. And, uh, uh, Graham, would you mind going out down to the entryway there and get me three vision papers? They're, they're, in, a little, they're in a slot just down there by the main door. And uh, 
What's that? Yeah. Some of you know Reed Stairs. Um, are not well. Some of you know Reed Stairs. Uh, Reed McLean. He used to be a writer for the Chronicle Herald, and uh, he's a believer. And um, he's written an, uh, an allegory about Halifax, about the Lord coming to Halifax and renewing Halifax. And so on streets of gold. And the beginning is this little squirrel comes up to the sky and starts to interact with him. And that, that's what I was just thinking with, with this squirrel coming up to this guy. You've got to get that book because it presents this vision of God's heart for Halifax. Uh, we've really struggled with this um, conference uh, or this series of meetings is the plan was to come into Halifax and I, I approached three of the largest churches and it just didn't work out. I mean, there wasn't any animosity or anything. It just it just that uh, it just didn't work. And I say, God, what's going on? And uh, he, I believe that he really has a heart for Halifax. It's an important part of this uh, of, of this whole region. And uh, uh, the other thing I want to say, Billy Arsenault, I just want to bless you. You're, he's a key apostle in, in, in the Cradle of Confederation in, in uh, PEI. And he's always been here to support what's going on in the Maritimes. He really is a true Maritimer. Uh, he loves, loves this area. But uh, these are important meetings. I really believe that God wants to do some amazing things through this. But don't forget Halifax. I, I was really quickened by that, that, that story because it was a squirrel that came up in that uh, allegory. And it's, it's an amazing story. It talks about, uh, I believe, what God's vision is. Do you know what Halifax means? Holy place. A place set apart for God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and there's never been a revival there. Henry Aline came in the, at the end of the Second Great Awakening, uh, or the First Great Awakening, rather, the New Light Movement, and evangelized a good part of the province here. But... Um, uh, the bishop, my bishop, in my tradition, Bishop Charles Inglis. You know English Street in Halifax? That's named after him, Charles Inglis. And he refused to allow Henry Lyon to come into the city. And there, there's never been a revival in, in Halifax. There's never been an awakening. There's been uh, God's doing quick things there, like in Rock Church. That was birthed out of revival. Uh, but um, uh, I, I think God wants to really hit some of the larger centers here as well. In fact, it was it was Boxing Day that Stephen called me and he told me the story about the squirrel. And uh, was Boxing Day or Christmas Eve? I, I think it was Christmas Eve. And uh, I want you to, prior to the, coming up to the, the the new year, I I I I was doing a lot of praying and interceding and seeking the vision of the Lord for the church. And so I, I, I produced this paper, Awaken, and it's, it's a Vision 2019 thing. And in here, I focused on three things. And uh, I, I'm, I've given it to you. I can make copies of this to you. But on page two, if anybody wants, to, the, the whole second area of vision is corporate prayer. So when you were talking about uh, corporate prayer in the church, and, and how there would be a person that would be appointed and come in with a word from the Lord and the rest of the body received that. That's the first time I've ever heard 
that kind of concept. But at the beginning of this year, this was stated as a, as a vision for our church. And uh, the third part of the vision is, is restoring uh, the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit to the church. But I, I want to take you to the last page, if you guys would look there. Uh, conclusion. And I felt the Lord <laughs> oh, uh, give me uh, names of people that should come to this church to minister to this congregation through um, this year. And the first name is John Rodham. Good way to start a year. And he came and he talked about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And him and Holly just did an amazing job. I think you were here for four days or five days, something like that. And then we had Kevin Johnson, who is a district superintendent of the PAOC. And there was a restorative thing that happened here that day. Because for, uh, anyway, the, knowing the history of this church and our, uh, and, and, uh, this was the first time a PAOC executive member had been in our church to minister. And that was a very powerful thing. Joshua Hofford uh, came, uh, as a prophet to teach the gifts of the Spirit, particularly prophecy. Then we had uh, David Forrest, a missionary evangelist, and he wasn't able to come because uh, of sickness. Then Tim Watley came uh, from Ethnos and gave uh, as a missions conference for our teens. And then the last person on the list is Stephen List. That, that, the last person on the list is a list. Uh, you've probably heard that a million times before, have you? Oh, does it? But here's here's what uh, I refer to him as an apostle evangelist, and uh, he's coming in September this year, dates to be announced, and other ministers will be added uh, once dates are confirmed. So the vision of the Lord gave me for 2019 ends with you. That doesn't mean the vision's over. But as far as this, as far as what I could see at that time, this has led us to right now. And you've come here connected to what the Lord gave me for corporate prayer. And you've dropped a word into my spirit and into the spirit of all of us that I've never heard before. And uh, raising the church up as a body to experience corporate prayer um, that would be similar to what um, was in the book of Acts. Um, you know, uh, starting with the day of Pentecost. But then as pressure came um, f- for them to, to cry out, God, we believe, but help our unbelief. So how can you, just two chapters earlier, experience the power of God, the birth of the church, the shaking, the wind, the fire, the tongues. And then as pressure comes, say, help her unbelief. But it's true. The daily pressures of life, not necessarily a kind of attack that threatened them. And they said, behold their threatenings. Uh, so it was very personal and it, it could have cost them their lives. And it did for so many of them. But for us to move into the power experiences of the Holy Spirit, but then so quickly to default to unbelief. 
How many know in your own personal life that that, that is very much a, a, a pattern that is true of our flesh? And so uh, coming from there into a, an acknowledgement of what God has done for us, but at the same time, the next level of experience, which there was Acts 2, now there's Acts 4, the next level of experience, what had taken place in Acts 2, didn't create the faith that was needed for that next level. And that next level was persecution. So I believe that there is a need for us to not look to the past, to celebrate it, to thank God for it. Because we can recount revivals in this church, some amazing things that have happened in this church. But to celebrate those things, but not to say, oh God, bring back what we had. Elements, of course, and the spirit of it, yes, but there's another level that we don't have faith for. It's easy to have faith for what we had because we already know what it was. But to have faith for something we don't know what it is yet, it's an unfolding revelation. God, help our unbelief. Are you hearing me this this morning? And, and Stephen, when you said that about corporate prayer, that the Lord had laid on your heart, that in coming here, there would the message that the Lord gave you is there's a new level of corporate prayer coming to the church. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how to get there. But I believe that we're here as candidates. Uh, to to find out how. Um, all I could just say is, uh, whatever the Lord is showing you, if there's more to it, show us. I think what you're saying is it's a prophetic prophetic prayer, uh, and and uh, Pastor Bruce, God's going to as you seek the face of God, God is going to bring that person to your remembrance and you will approach them to spend time in prayer before God he may lead them into fasting and God will download into them a prophetic prayer that will be anointed of the Holy Spirit and as it is spoken forth before the whole con prayed before the whole congregation the whole congregation will in, in unison cry out in agreement, be it so, Lord. Let it happen. And there will be a uniting of your, your prayer and your faith with that prayer. And watch supernaturally a breakthrough happen in the whole congregation. That's what God downloaded into me. He said, this is coming to the body of Christ so that when people walk into the house of God, it will leave a residue of the Spirit of the Lord in the house of God. People will just start praising the Lord. They'll start weeping because of what God is establishing for this next adventure of the body of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? So we'll get ready. Get ready. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can have a family corporate prayer as well in your home. 
<laughs> you hear what I'm talking about? Oh, praise the Lord. Praying in that another dimension. So it, it, there's, there's a crescendo that is building. Glory. <laughs> when we stand around the throne of, of God, you talk about a prayer of, you, of, of praise unison. Oh, my God, help us to understand all that you have in heaven. Glory, glory. That's like the feet of people marching in unison together, staying in step. And you well know uh, soldiers in their platoons, when they walk across a bridge, they are told not to march because the, the vibrations of, the unis, of, of united marching together transcends into the structure of that bridge and can, and can break it. And so they are informed, you step out of step to cross the bridge. And what God is saying, you're stepping in step as a mighty army of God that sends vibrations out into the kingdom of darkness and shakes us very holding on, on the city and on the church and on people and lives around. So there's a rumbling that's taking place. Hallelujah. I don't know, but I can hear it in the spirit. Hallelujah. The thud of the army of God rising up in the glory and the power. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. Hallelujah. I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling up here. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Just start walking, start moving in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. If we all come together in our faith for the healing of the sick, for the deliverance of those that are oppressed. Oh, my, 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 my. Satan has nowhere to hide. Satan has nowhere to hide. <laughs> In the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Lord, we just praise you right now. We give you praise and honor and glory as the powers of darkness are being trembling and they are beginning to run away from this house because the armies of God are circling the, the, the armies of God are circling the children of God to bring deliverance and healing. Father, we give you praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory, glory. Break it loose, friends. Break loose. Break loose in God. 